This is The Book of Life, a podcast that uncovers life lessons from Judaism's most important book, helping you power your day with purpose. Here is Ruchi Koval. L'chaim. It's one of the most iconic phrases in Judaism. To life. We raise our glasses and imbibe some alcoholic beverage to celebrate. Drinking is cross-culturally one of the most common ways for people to connect. Every country has its beverage of choice. The U.S. has bourbon. Russia has vodka. Mexico has tequila. Japan has sake. Germany has schnapps. Fine wine connoisseurs will always have a high-level recommendation for your enjoyment. But at the same time, there are restrictions on alcohol everywhere you go. You have to be 21 to buy it in the United States. Can't have an open bottle in your car. In many states, you can't buy or sell it on Sunday, and you need a special license to sell it at all. During Prohibition, it was completely illegal, which of course sparked one of the richest eras of underground alcohol production this country has ever seen. In many Muslim countries, alcohol is still completely illegal. We all know there's such a thing as drinking too much, and probably most of us have been there at some point. Many of us have probably done or said things we've regretted or forgotten while intoxicated. And then, of course, some people run the risk of addiction and need to be extra careful avoiding alcohol completely. Judaism has a nuanced and balanced approach to the philosophy of drinking. On the one hand, wine enjoys a prominent role in Jewish ritual life. You need wine at a bris, at Shabbat, at a wedding, wine at the Passover Seder, wine at a Kiddush, wine at every holiday, and more wine at Havdalah on Saturday night. And don't get me started on the wineries in Israel. Wine is considered one of the prominent drinks in Judaism, even meriting its own special blessing. Baruch Ata Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam Borei Pri Hagafen. That's because wine is the only drink that is considered an upgrade from the fruit it's made of. This blessing, in fact, is one of the most well-known blessings among American Jewish kids because they often learn it in Hebrew school in conjunction with Shabbat. I remember my friend once sent me a YouTube video. It starts out with this teenage girl setting up her phone camera to record a roller coaster ride. The ride starts out pretty slow, as roller coaster rides do. Then the ride starts speeding up. The girl starts yelling and cursing, and I'm wondering, why did my friend send me this? Then, during a particularly chaotic segment of the ride, she clenches her eyes shut and starts yelling, The blessing on wine or grape juice for Shabbat Kiddush. I laughed and laughed. When she needed a prayer, that's what her traumatized brain provided. But then on the other hand, we have lots of warnings. King Solomon, the wisest of all men, taught, One who drinks wine is a scorner. He roars strong drink, and whoever strays with it will not become wise. Yikes. Wine can impact our IQ, it seems. And if some of us don't get our alcohol, we get mad. 
Isaiah the prophet said, Woe to those who rise early in the morning to run after their drinks, who stay up late at night till they are inflamed with wine. Looks like wine can take over and impact our good judgment and productivity too. And on the still other hand, King David rapturously thanks God in the book of Psalms for, yup, wine. Wine which cheers man's heart to make the face shine from oil and bread, which sustains man's heart. So wine, apparently, in addition to making us stupid and angry, can also make us joyous and light us up. The Talmud offers some other more neutral observations about wine. Here's one. The wine goes in, the secrets come out. A person who has something to hide should be careful, since wine can loosen our lips. But also, it can make it easier to show our true selves in a good way. Here's another. You can tell a person's essence in three ways. His pocket, his anger, and his cup. In Hebrew, those three words are nearly identical. Bikiso, bikoso, ubikaso. Pocket, anger, and cup. His pocket, how he spends his money. You can tell what a person is all about when he puts his money where his mouth is. His anger, what gets him enraged? What antagonizes him? And how does he act when angry? And his cup, how he acts when he's drunk. Some people's polite veneers vanish when drunk. Others become soft and sweet and lovely. The real self emerges. Yes, wine has tremendous power for the good and for the bad. But Judaism doesn't shun powerful forces. It seeks to guide us in their use. Wine has the power to lift a person's spirit, and that's one of the reasons it plays such an important part of our celebrations, because it's a tool that can help us to get where we're going. It can be a bridge to high levels of joy and help us be more honest and authentic but it can also be a numbing agent, and it can be dangerously responsible for shedding our inhibitions and stunting our free will, leading to impulsive choices and ultimately regrets. In the Torah this week, we read a cautionary tale. To set the stage, the Jewish people had just finished building the magnificent temporary temple in the desert called the Mishkan. It was time to dedicate the temple and celebrate in an inaugural ceremony. Moses, his brother Aaron, and the entire Jewish people were there to participate in the inauguration. And then, Nadav and Avihu, the two sons of Aaron, died suddenly and tragically while performing the service in the temple. What happened? Why did they die? One way of understanding this story is that Aaron's sons were intoxicated when they approached the temple for service. God was displeased with this inappropriateness and caused them both to die. Immediately following this event, God spoke to the bereaved Aaron, telling him that none of the priests would be allowed to participate in temple service while intoxicated. But notice how Judaism still doesn't outlaw alcohol. Instead, it moderates it, monitors it. It asks us to be mindful of when and why we drink, to be conscious of what it's doing to us and of how to handle it. 
In truth, this is representative of Judaism's approach to many of life's indulgences. God wants us to enjoy life, but he also wants us to enjoy it mindfully, so it lifts us up instead of dragging us down. Maybe that's why we say l'chaim when we drink, because wine can and should be a celebration of life. We bless one another that this strong and powerful agent should bring us to higher levels of life and joy, and not, God forbid, the opposite. So l'chaim, to life. May everything we drink, from tequila to Chardonnay to Manischewitz, bring us closer to true living. This is the Book of Life. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Momentum Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Join Ruchi again next time for more meaning and inspiration from Judaism's most important book to power your day with purpose. You're listening to a Momentum Podcast. For unlimited inspiration, wisdom, and empowerment, visit MomentumUnlimited.org.